how do we and can we actually experience the Holy Spirit of God in our lives now? Like, to do that, how good do we have to be? And what do we have to know and what do we have to do? You know, I think there's a better question. So, let's talk about it together. According to Jesus, the key to truly knowing him and following him, the source of the life he gives, is the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said it would be better for him to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. But I think for many of us, the Holy Spirit is a fuzzy and vague concept. And like we said in the very beginning of this series, the Holy Spirit is the most important and most misunderstood part of following Jesus. Which is why we have spent 10 weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. And this, right now, is the final episode. So if this is like the first or second one you've, you've watched, you're kind of coming in before the credits of the movie. Like at the end of the movie, the credits are about to roll and now you walk into the theater. So I would advise, pause this. Go back, watch the rest of the film, and then figure out what this one's about. Now throughout this series, we've tried to really strip off any preconceived ideas of what the Holy Spirit is, strip off what maybe we've always been told or whatever thoughts have grown in us when we hear the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost type of thing, and to really go back to what the Holy Spirit actually revealed about himself through the experiences recorded in the biblical writings. So our goal has not, just, has not been just to understand and know more about the Holy Spirit. Our goal has been to actually know and experience him in our lives now, individually, and especially as the church together. And here's what we've discovered. The Holy Spirit is the source. He's, he's the epicenter. He's the sustainer of the life Jesus offers. God has fulfilled his promises by giving Jesus followers his personal presence to live in them and through them. And the Holy Spirit is creating a new people for himself to bring the life and love of God to the world through their lives. And he does this by transforming individuals and creating them together into a transformed community. Now, that's great and all, but there's a very present and a very common danger with a series like this. Something really that's been continually happening for maybe the last 1,500 years. For much of the church's history, Jesus' followers have taken this knowledge of the Holy Spirit and done one of two things with it. Either they keep it all intellectual or they keep it all emotional. For some, instead of the Holy Spirit being seen and experienced as the very presence of God in every moment of our lives, he's been relegated to really just simply another creed that we need to intellectually agree with in order to be able to wear the Christian label, right? Like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. Got it. Yep, I think that, so I'm good. And that leads to, oh, so you think differently than me, so we need to divide and argue. Now, others have focused so much on experiencing the Holy Spirit that they haven't really actually taken the time to know who he really is and why he is actually really with us. And then things kind of get get weird and maybe fractured and focus so much only on what we personally experience and, and feel, and that's what really matters. When we relegate the Holy Spirit to a theological point with which to agree or a feeling to experience, we miss out on the full life Jesus offers now. See, both extremes lead to the same sad ending. At best, Christianity becomes this once-a-week routine that's focused either on simply learning about God 
or only experiencing an emotional high for about an hour, you know, with a spatter of trying to be really nice in our regular secular lives. It becomes more of a, a personal belief than experiencing the actual presence of God himself. And nothing actually changes about who they are at their core. Their lives look no different than anyone else's. It's why people claiming the name of Jesus were totally okay with things like the Crusades and colonizing and conquering other people in the name of Jesus. It's why Christians can care more about their group having power than actually looking like Jesus. It's why Christians can disown family members just because they think differently than them. It's why churches split over minor points of theology. It really explains all the junk people have rejected Christianity over. And when those who claim to be Christians themselves don't see a difference between their lives and the rest of humanity, they start to think, and definitely their kids start to think, what's the point of all this? And then when a crisis comes, or they go off to college, or they're presented with real life, everything falls apart. Maybe that's been your experience. Maybe you tried the church thing and you haven't really seen a difference. In fact, maybe the people are kinder on the outside. Either you've collected a lot of maybe knowledge, but it really hasn't changed your life. Or you've had some experiences, but they don't last. And sure, of course, you'd like to know God. You'd like to experience God, but everything just seems dry and, and dusty. Maybe your life, maybe your relationships, maybe your relationship with God is dry. Maybe you find yourself like easily frustrated, easily upset, easily angered, easily discouraged. And maybe you sense little to, to no power to change the things you know you need to change in your life. Like, what can we do about that? We've had nine weeks, nine episodes of discussion about the Holy Spirit. So how do we actually experience the Holy Spirit in our lives now? We have to want it and we have to ask for it. When we are genuinely willing to know and experience the Holy Spirit in every part of our lives, we will discover the life Jesus offers together. Now to see how this happens, we really have to go back into the story of God. We have to go back to around 600 BC, where the people of Israel were wondering why they weren't experiencing God like their ancestors. In fact, it had really seemed like God had abandoned them. Babylon had conquered Jerusalem, but they had spared the city. And they took many people captive back to Babylon, including a man named Ezekiel. And five years later, while Ezekiel is sitting by the river in his refugee camp, actually on his 30th birthday, he sees a vision of God riding his royal chariot. And God chooses him to be his prophet, to speak for God to the people, to tell Israel why all of this had happened. Why had it happened? Because they had rebelled against God. They started worshiping idols and, and they, were great, they were fine with social injustice running rampant in their community. And because of this, God is telling Ezekiel, he's going to allow Babylon to attack Jerusalem again and actually destroy the city and the temple. And then it happens. But God tells Ezekiel, there is hope. God will restore his people back to the land. God will come like a good shepherd and bring his people back to himself. And he will bring a new king like David. And he will create a new Israel, a new people of God, a transformed people. He will transform them by removing their hard and rebellious hearts and sending his spirit into them to give them new soft hearts so that they can truly love and follow God. And then he has, Ezekiel has another pretty strange vision. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. 
He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. It's like all these skeletons all this over the dry valley. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This really is recalling the story of of Genesis 2 where we talked about it, where God breathes the breath of life into this man he created out of mud, right? Or he, another word for breath is ruach, which is also the same word for spirit. And so God's ruaching the ruach of life into them. It's really repicturing this creative creation story. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there's a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them, no ruach in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Remember, ruach is another word for wind. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. The Lord has ruached. God is saying he will do a new act of creation. He will create, through his spirit, a new type of human so that they can truly live in a relationship of love with God and with each other. The only way for us to live the new life of God is for God to breathe his spirit into us and recreate us. This transformation, this this new breath, this new life is available to everyone. As we saw in the New Testament writings throughout this series, this happens the moment someone chooses to stop figuring out life for, for themselves. They stop trusting what they can do to get through life. And they put their trust, their faith, their allegiance in Jesus. And at that moment, they are marked by, they are sealed by, they are baptized by the Holy Spirit. But as we've also seen, this immediate new identity doesn't always mean a new immediate transformation in how we think and how we live. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work on our stony hearts. Remember, we can either work with the Holy Spirit or resist him. And every Jesus follower has the Holy Spirit, but not every Jesus follower is walking with the Holy Spirit. And this transformation isn't about trying really, really hard to be nice and good and friendly or or having a new philosophy to live by. No, the question isn't what should we do? The question is who does God want us to be? Because when we become who God wants us to become, we can't help but do what God wants us to do. And so let me ask you, do you want to be transformed? Maybe you feel like these dry bones. Maybe your, your life feels dry. Your relationships feel dry. Your relationship with God feels dry. 
God wants us to experience new life through his rock, through his spirit. But we have to actually want it. We have to actually seek it. We have to ask him. See, Israel was ready for God to blow new breath into them. Are we? It's not a change of what we do. It's a willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to change who we are. We can't work really hard for it, but we can seek it with all our hearts. We can work with the Holy Spirit. We can't make it happen, but we can ask for it and we can allow it to happen. It requires an openness to allowing the Holy Spirit to take who we are and make us who Jesus would be if he was living our lives. Because if the Holy Spirit is living in you, that's what's happening. Scholar Gordon Fee put it this way, we need to less often tell God what we want and more often have a stance of openness so that we can continually be surprised by what he does. Openness means seeking earnestly after the Spirit with readiness for whatever the Spirit may want to do. Not for the sake of the individual walk alone, but for what it will mean for the sake of the body. See, we so often think of God and and the Holy Spirit as simply like helping us have better lives and, and making things not as bad as they could be without Him. Listen, God doesn't just want us to have better lives. He longs to give us new life. He longs to guide us, to empower us, to fill us. He wants to transform us together. And this idea is really what keeps me up at night when I think about our church, Cross Creek. If we want to see God transform our lives and the lives of our neighbors, we as individuals and a community have to be filled with and transformed by the Holy Spirit. Instead of letting our own wants and ideas control and guide our lives, we have to focus on the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit love by submitting to his leadership and submitting to his presence in us. God is love. We have to let him fill us with his love as we give it out to others. And we can't resist him, as Paul said in Ephesians. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If the Holy Spirit is in us, there should be a difference in how we interact with each other, how we grieve, how we celebrate, how we deal with challenges, and how we deal with conflict. If the Holy Spirit is truly the presence of God himself, Jesus' followers should have remarkably different lives but we have to ask him to do it. We have to ask him to put the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We have to spend time with him alone, sometimes in quiet and just listening to him. And we have to spend time with him together. We have to be together consistently and invite others into our lives and our community. See, our goal is not that we become a big church. Our goal is that we become a filled church, a church filled with the Holy Spirit together. But I have a feeling if if we would allow ourselves to be a church together, filled with the Holy Spirit in our individual lives and our life together, we would have to find some more chairs. See, I want people to be amazed at our love, at our peace, at our joy, no matter what is going on. I want people amazed at our unity within our diversity. I want people to be amazed at the life God has breathed on these dry bones. So here is my invitation for the next two weeks. As we lead into Easter, let's have Psalm 63.1 be our prayer. O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. 
My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. We need to search for God. We need to call him our God and search for him and ask him to fill our lives. Maybe for the first time. See, this life is something everyone is invited into. And maybe you've been on the fence. I don't know. Maybe you've hung out with us for years and you're still on the fence about, is this really for me? It might be time to join the party. Here's how. You just tell him. You ask him. You say, Jesus, come into my life. I am done relying on myself. I put my trust and my allegiance in you. Come into me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me as yours. Mark me. Seal me. And make my life yours. Transform me from the inside out. And maybe you've done that. Maybe that is who you are. But you still feel dry. So ask him to fill you. He wants us to ask him. He wants to do it. He's longing to fill you and live his life through you. So ask him and allow him to do it. And I think we're going to have an opportunity next week. I know if you're watching this later, it won't make any sense. But at our in-person gathering, at our Cross Creek gatherings, we're going to have a worship and prayer night. A chance to thank God for who he is and what he's done. And a chance to seek him and to seek who he wants us to be together. A chance for us to allow him to transform us. See, a, a life filled with and transformed by the Holy Spirit is not about what we should do. It's about who God wants us to become together. Pastor Francis Chan said this, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. We are invited to a life of more than just going to church, more than just being good and nice, more than just like going to heaven when we die. We are invited to live in and experience the kingdom of God now. We are invited to play a key role in inviting our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. You are invited to make you and me into an inexplicable we. You are invited to experience the personal presence of God every day in your good and in your bad. Imagine what could happen if we really got this. If we really allowed the Holy Spirit to breathe new life into us. If we allowed the Holy Spirit to direct us and guide us and empower us. What would this mean for you? What would this mean for your family and your neighbors and our city? And what if it wasn't just a few of us? But it was Jesus followers all over Salem, all over Kaiser, all over Oregon and the United States and the world. What if we saw each other as fellow temples of the Holy Spirit and allowed the Holy Spirit to transform us and our communities? What if we all saw and accepted our role in bringing the kingdom of God to earth now? It's possible. It's why Jesus created the church. Every aspect of it will look different. It will look as, as unique as God himself. Remember, God does all sorts of odd things. And it might not happen in our lifetime, but we can make some waves. We are privileged to play a part in God's ultimate plan for the entire universe. And we need to be open to what he wants to do in us and through us. So as we move forward and we see where God takes us as his people, our cry should be the same as Moses's. Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. So seek him. Ask him to transform you. Ask him to breathe new life into you, to guide you, control you, empower you, and 
fill you. Work with him. Allow him to transform you. It is time to let the Holy Spirit breathe wherever and however he wants. And we need to be willing to follow wherever he leads. When we are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to breathe new life into us, our lives become more than we can imagine. Thank you so much for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. This is the last episode in our Holy Spirit series. You can catch up with any or all of these episodes or other series on our YouTube channel or podcast. Thanks for liking and subscribing to those channels and reviewing on your podcast app helps other people see our content. We have a few in-person gatherings we want to let you know about. As John mentioned, we have a worship and prayer night on the 25th of March at 4.30 p.m. and it's going to be at 525 Idlewood Drive. We also have a Palm Sunday service happening on April 2nd, and we will be celebrating Easter Eve on Easter Eve, Saturday, April 8th. Make sure you check out our website for more information. We hope to see you in person at any of these gatherings. Uh, feel free to reach out using our welcome form or at our email address, info at yourcrosscreek.com. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you've been watching for a little while or maybe your first time and you've never said hello. It's a great way to start a conversation. Uh, we can send you a free uh, gift or maybe just answer some of your questions. So. Feel free to reach out and we hope to see you in person on one of the Sundays or Saturday coming up. Have a great week.